Great. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you uh, that we're getting a chance to look at it tonight. Lord, bless us as we read it together. Amen. Well, it's unusually for me going to be quite a short uh, sermon today, just introducing us to the book of Titus, which we're going to be studying over the coming weeks. And it's so short. Um, anyone feeling tired tonight? Yeah, that's, that's like at least 70% of the room. Um, so I don't know if you set any like really super hardcore like New Year goals. Did anyone set themselves to read like the entire New Testament in two months or anything like that? Anyone set any hardcore goals? Oh no, well you're all sinners. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> just to set a really low bar, how about reading the book of Titus this week? Yeah, who reckons they could manage that this week, Titus? It's pretty short, awesome. Karen's already probably going to have read it by the time I've finished speaking. But no, it's it's so short that I think we could all manage it, couldn't we? Which would be amazing. So we're going to be really getting into this book and getting to know it really well. And the beautiful thing about getting to know parts of the scripture is it begins to live more in us. And as it lives more in us, Because it is the word of God that carries life. More of God's life begins to dwell in us and live in us too, which can bubble up and come out as we live our daily lives walking around West London, which is so exciting. So the book of Titus is where we're going to be over the next few weeks. So do uh, get into that, have a little read of it on your own in your own time. So I want to just sort of tell you a little bit about, about Titus. Does anyone, anyone know anything much about Titus? Anyone uh, come across Titus? Know where else he comes up in the Bible? Anyone? So he is uh, mentioned in Galatians, and he's mentioned quite a bit in 2 Corinthians. So Titus was a young man who was brought to faith by Paul. And he was a, a Gentile, So a non-Jewish person, he came to faith. And he was obviously talented in church leadership. And Paul took him on some of his journeys and missions. And then Paul entrusted him with work to do. And some of the work he did was to go to the Corinthians and take one of Paul's quite hardcore letters. Uh, Paul had to write quite a fierce letter to the Corinthians to bring them back into order. And Titus had the joy of being involved in delivering that letter. And then particularly in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Titus had the job of going to them, come on guys, cough up. You become Christians, let's see it now. Start giving. Come on, start giving. Uh, give to the poorer people in Jerusalem. Give to other people in the church so that the poorer church can also flourish and be provided for so that when you need it, they then can give back to you. So he had the job of sort of inspiring that kind of the spirit of generosity that Paul wanted to be alive in the church. And Paul entrusted Titus to do that. So where we are in uh, the New Testament is in what's called the pastoral letters, which is 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And they're called that because Paul is giving instructions on sort of how to behave in life. And he's giving the instructions to a man called Timothy and a man called 
Titus. Timothy and Titus were both young men, and they'd both been entrusted by Paul to go and sort out the church. Now, this time for Titus, he's not in Corinth. He's in um, the Greek islands, Crete. And Timothy has been sent to Ephesus. Now, both these young men have become a little bit discouraged because, quite frankly, it's like really hard work. So, in Ephesus, obviously, like lots of secular kind of hard uh, city life and, and just difficult. And Titus, the island of Crete, um, well, it was a bit rubbish, really, because back in that day, do you know one of their swear words was you cretin? Um, the people of Crete were dissed. The people of Crete were known as liars, as being mercenary, as being kind of twisted and manipulative kind of people. So they weren't really very easy people to minister amongst. And so it was a real kind of diss in the, in the kind of ancient world at the time to say, you cretin. Um, and that was where Titus had been sent. And so the work was quite hard. And both Timothy and Titus get a little bit discouraged and need a bit of direction. And so Paul writes to them to teach them how to live where they've been planted and to help God's church to flourish and to be really good where it is. So that's a little bit of a background. And Titus is, if you like, a kind of condensed version of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy has a bit more kind of fluffiness in it because Timothy as a character was a bit more timid than Titus and he needed a little bit more kind of geeing up, you know, like, don't worry, don't let them look down on you because you're young. Come on, Timothy, you're all right, well done, woo. Titus seemed to be a bit more robust, doesn't need quite as much fluffiness and it's a bit more direct and a bit more fast-paced. But essentially, a lot of the core teaching is actually quite similar in both books. And I had a bit of a giggle this morning, guys, because um, we, we're letting another church, a lovely local church, come and use our space um, while they're having some building work done on their building. And I had a bit of a giggle, because do you know what they're studying this term? They're studying 1 Timothy. So I thought, God's clearly onto us and kind of wants this community to be in 1 Timothy Titus kind of teaching this term. And I just thought, you know, I think we're less timid than them. So we're just going to go for Titus and, uh, and plow through. But no, I just, <laughs> just joking. But it's amazing, isn't it, how God sometimes does that. And I do think the Spirit of God is speaking and that as we unpack this book, there's going to be genuine things that the Lord wants us to take out with us into our daily lives. So tonight, I'm going to be a little bit interactive now. There were two groups of people that were particularly damaging the church in Crete. The first group of people were of Jewish descent and background and they were bringing into the church false teaching. They were mixing 
the gospel of grace with lots of myths and rules and regulations that they wanted to add on to the gospel. And so it says, if you look in chapter 1, verse 14, Paul is telling Titus to to get the church to um, pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. Don't pay attention to people that are adding stuff to the gospel message. And in particular, he mentions circumcision and things like that. So that was one group of people. They were kind of saying, yeah, okay, gospel of grace, we're going to add stuff to it. We're going to add a bit of our own myths, a bit of human tradition in. You need that as well as the gospel. But the other group of people were people who were from um, a more Gentile background who had received the good news, the gospel, and be like, yay, we're free. We've been forgiven of our sins. God loves us. It's amazing. And so we can just kind of carry on doing whatever we want because God just kind of loves us. It doesn't really matter. We can live however we please. doesn't matter about authority. Don't need to watch my behavior in any way. I can just kind of carry on. And chapter two, Paul has quite a lot of reminders to say, uh, no. They really know, because actually you're discrediting the gospel. People are looking at you and thinking, oh my goodness, what do you stand for? And so then he gives a lot of instructions about how we need to live our lives, loving one another, being respectful and living out the fruit of true gospel living. So those were the two groups. And what I thought it might be quite fun to do is um, this side of the church could be like the hardcore kind of um, Jewish people who come in and are trying to add stuff to the gospel, right? And you guys are like the wayward, your lifestyle's all messed up, um, Cretans who don't want any authority or anything like that over you. And um, what I would like you to do is to think about... Where might we see that behavior played out today in the church? And you can chat to the people just that you've come with or nearby, if that's okay, or you can do it on your own. But where might we see that behavior today in the church? What might that look like? So have a little buzz on that for a minute, and we'll see if you come up with anything. I'm the first victim. Um, uh, Yeah, a hypothetical example we had was if you turned up drunk to church, uh, that would be a an example of living in a way that wasn't necessarily helpful to the body of the church, um, but was just living for the sake of pleasure and enjoying yourself at expense of everyone else. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone else from this side before we... Yeah, go on, Becky, come on up. Okay. Um, I can think of an example. I had a friend at university who was very open about the fact that they were a Christian, but they also were quite open about the fact that they didn't think a lot of the stuff in the Bible really mattered anymore, and they'd sort of thrown it all out. So they would be very openly talking all about their um, their party life and their sex life and everything. Uh, and then I didn't live the same lifestyle as them at uni, and then it I was resonated the bit where you said about how it discredits um, the church, because it kind of made both of us look really 
weird because how could we both say we're Christian and live such completely different lives? Thank you. It's really helpful, really relevant, and very up to date. Yeah. Anyone? So, so that's that side. Two examples. What about this side, Maggie? Um, you can't come up. I will come to you. Here we go. The camera can't follow me, but that's a good thing. I was um, just dipping into Titus, looking for answers to Nicola's question, and I thought chapter three. Verse 3, which I'll read to you. At one time we were too foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. So it goes on. And I thought it's very easy with Satan working among us even us, to not live up to our calling of obedience and um, spiritual life. So I think it's Satan at work. We do take some responsibility for listening to Satan. Mm. So perhaps sometimes checking in on the spiritual health of our heart can say are we living our ways or are we living God's ways so am I walking around hating people in my heart then that might be a sort of spiritual checkup I might need to give to myself and say actually I'm just doing stuff my own way then because actually God's word says that I need to love my neighbor as myself it says I need to love my enemies so if my heart's full of hatred then I'm just doing my own thing aren't I but I'm not actually living out the gospel. So on to this side, where, you think, where you're thinking like more of people that might be adding things to the gospel, like giving additional rules or stuff. Did you guys come up with any examples of today that you think we might get that wrong in the church? We might do that. Anyone? I'm being brave. Go on, Jeff. If you don't put your hands in the air, you're not a Christian. Oh, if you don't put your hands in the air... <laughs> Your worship style, okay, yeah, we've got to worship in a certain way. That means you're a Christian, okay. Um, A youth group I attended was um, no makeup, no dancing, basically no fun. Oh, yeah, you're a sinner if you put some makeup on, okay. Oh, yeah. Anyone else want to add anything? They, They were pretty good examples, yeah. So I think even today we can see how relevant this book is going to be to us because actually a lot of the challenges that uh, Titus was having to deal with in the church and in the society at the time, actually we're going to discover as we read it, are still quite present today. And as we read this and absorb it, it's going to help us uh, find ways through it and to live well as God's people. 